Welcome to Second Chance Church with Pastor Derek Aldridge.
Just want to welcome everybody, say good morning, and we want to welcome you to Second Chance Church. God bless you for those of you that are streaming in live. Glad you were able to join us this morning. We thank God for our praise team this morning and our band and those that are in our congregation, the few that are here this morning. We thank God for you. God is an awesome God, and he is worthy to be praised. Just want you to all know that we're praying for. Sister Harriet and Sister Ken Scott and the loss of Harriet's brother this past week and we sent out information about when the service is going to be held and we just want to know Ken to know if he's watching this. Hang in there. God's got your back and we thank God for your healing and everything he's doing for you. We, we thank God for you church family and those of you that share and you're giving the second chance to keep us uh, going and doing this season. Uh, 
I still want to encourage everyone to stay safe, continue the social distance. This thing is a long way from being over, and we have to be careful, and we have to take care of one another. So wearing masks is just not about me. It's about myself protecting you and you protecting somebody else. So as we continue in worship, we just thank you for tuning in again. Share this with somebody today. Don't forget on Saturday mornings, the women are having prayer uh, at 9 a.m. every Saturday morning. And people are streaming in and being a part of that prayer service from all across the country. And it's just a woman's prayer service for about 35 or 40 minutes. So for those of you that want to join, I uh, suggest you join. And don't forget we have Bible study on Thursday nights at 6.30. So God bless you. Praise team will come back again and sing. And then we will move on in our...
use of you, those of you out there, why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We thank God for our praise team. Amen. Thank God that he came and changed our lives. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're still in the book of Job. Amen. Job part three. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you for this moment. And we just thank you for your word. We pray that your word would just touch somebody today and give them revelation, give them salvation, and just comfort them in a season such as this. In the blessed name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Job, the 14th chapter. I'm still in the 14th chapter. Job, the 14th chapter, verse 13 and 14. Job says, in the NIV version of the Bible, if you would, if you would hide me in the grave, and conceal me till your anger has passed. He says, if only you set me a time. He says, and then remember me. He says, all the days of my hard service. I like how the NIV version says this. He says, all the days of my hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. One of, one of the lessons that Job teaches us is that no matter how tough your circumstances might be, if you position yourself in the will of God, and if you work it out, where we are, where our patience is at an all-time low, yeah. as you look across our landscape of our country, everybody's ready to get on with their lives. Everybody wants justice and police reform mm -hmm. now the white house wants the country back to work whether we're dead or alive nobody wants to wait until there's a vaccination nobody wants to social distance people are frustrated and they are like commercial i want what i want and i want it right now but Paul reminds the church, the body of believers, to be by prayer and supplements be known unto God. I believe that we all need to learn the power. So I'm preaching this message today because somebody needs to know in the midst of your situation that you have to develop the posture of waiting to see how God is going to work this thing out. When you look back over your life, if you have any kind of relationship with God, we as believers are not worried about whether God is going to work it out. We've been walking with God too long. We've seen God do too much to debate about whether or not God's going to work it out. We know that God's, we know that God's going to work it out. But there's two questions. One of the questions is, how is God going to work it out? 
And the second question is, how long are you willing to wait on God? And I know that we get weary and well-doing, but I come and tell you today that quitting is not an option. I know that it's rough, but you need to wait it out. I know somebody has a legitimate reason why you should just throw in the towel and give up, but you need to wait it out. I know that you get frustrated, you get irritated, you get downright nauseated but by the whole experience, but God told me to tell you this morning that you need to wait it out. Because there's a blessing on, on, a, on the way to your house today. There's a breakthrough on your way, on its way to your house. And if you learn how to wait it out, God, my God will work it out. Yes, sir. Last Sunday, Job reminded us that man born of a woman is a few days and they're full of trouble. And he also reminded us that we're not shrubs, we're not bushes, that we're trees. And in this, in this season, we have to stand tall. And even though we might get cut down, that at the scent of rain, that we would sprout again. And I don't know about you, but I smell rain this morning. I smell rain. So, 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 so now Job says to God in verse 13, if you, if only you would hide me in the grave. And he says, and conceal me or keep me secret till your anger has passed. Job is really asking God for prevent providential security. Yeah, all right. In other words, Job is saying, God, on the way to my breakthrough, if you could just cover a brother or if you could just cover a sister until this thing has passed, if you could just keep me covered, if you could keep me hidden, if you keep, keep me secret, just hide me in the grave. The grave represents a place of isolation, of insulation, and a place of isolation where I can receive impartation, which is the word of God. And then when I receive impartation, I get a revelation about my situation so that it will move me to a place of elevation so that I will have the determination to run on to see what the end is going to be. In other words, the grave is not a, a physical place. The grave is a place that really exempts you or guards you from the opinion of others. Because a lot of us are influenced by the opinion of other people. So when we allow other people to learn from God or see what God wants us to hide me from the opinion of those who have made themselves expert regarding what I'm going through. Hide me from those that dare to talk about my business on Facebook. Hide me from those who sit up all day texting about me. Hide me. Job says, hide me. Keep me in your secret. Isn't it interesting how some people, when their life is more jacked up than yours, you can't even keep your own self together. How are you going to tell me about my relationship and you're not even in a relationship? Somebody say, hide me. So, 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 Lord, hide me. They mean well, but Lord, hide me. I don't need people to speculate about what I'm going through. And, Lord, I, I, I have some good people in my life. I promise you I got some real good people in my life. But, God, right now, I need to hear from you. Job has lost everything. His children are dead. Puss is running out of the balls on his body. His wife. His boo. The woman who stood in covenant with him and said, for better or for worse. Now she looks at him and tells him, you know, baby, you ought to curse God and die. So now Job's partners, his road dogs, his homies in chapter 3. Job's, Job's, Job's buddies come to check on him. Eliphaz, 
Pass and Bildad and Zophar dropped by. And when they saw what shape the Job was in, all they did was look at him for seven days and seven nights. They didn't say anything and Job didn't say anything. Seven days, seven nights. Job's partner sat there wondering what, what's Job gonna do now? What's he gonna say? They begin to speculate about what had happened to Job. You, you have people in your life like that, that anytime you're going through a crisis, some of the strangest people that you know don't even like you will come check on you. They drop by to check on you so they can go back and tell everybody else how bad you're doing. So, so, so his road dogs, his road dogs sat back wondering, what's Job gonna do next? And then when, you know, you got folks drop by, they wait on you to say something so they can throw make two cents in. They'll come to the hospital to visit you and you're sick. And, you know, one of the best things you can do when you go visit somebody at the hospital sometimes is just be present. Just keep your mouth closed. Nobody wants you coming to see them running your mouth and they're sick. And here you come, I, I wonder if God's trying to pluck one of my little flowers from his garden. Nobody trying to hear that mess. You got people that always got two cents they want to add in. So Job finally begins to talk about what he's going through. He begins to talk about his pain. And after Job begins to discuss his pain, then, then Ephasa begins to comment, maybe this happened because you sinned. Have you ever had a friend, once they started talking, they don't know when to shut up? Ilfaz talked for two chapters. He just talked and he talked and he, and he talked and he, you know anybody like that just talk all the time? And so his homeboys had all the answers. They, they did not know how the thing jumped off. They didn't know what was going on between Job and God. They came in while this thing was full blown. See, and a lot of times people through gossip think they know what you're going through and they don't have a clue about you. So they begin making assumptions about what you're going through. So it's better for you to look at them and let them know what I'm going through is between me and God. I appreciate your two cents, but I need you to close your mouth because I'm trying. All right. That's why you have to ask the Lord to hide me. Yeah. And God, if you don't mind, I also need your protection because Job says, Lord, hide me in the grave and keep me concealed from your anger. Job said, Job says, hide me to you. He says in Psalms 91 and 1. Or the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. If I could just find a place in God, I know that he'll cover me, that he'll shield me and take care of me. And what God says is, while I have you in secret, I won't let your dreams be deferred. God says, while I'm hiding you, I'm working on you and I'm, I'm developing you. Because you've got some issues of grief and loss. You have to deal with your bitterness and your hurt. You have to deal with what happened to you. Right. So God says, I got to work on you before I bring you out. Yes. Some of us feel like we're ready to go to the next level. But God says, I got to keep you in secret. I got to let you make a few mistakes in secret so that you don't make mistakes when I bring you out. Somebody listening needs to take 10 seconds and thank God that he, he lets you mess up in secret sometimes. Because if he lets you mess up in public, it would mess his reputation up. That's why God has taken so long in some of the things in your life. He's got me in lockdown. He's got me in quarantine because he cares about me. This is about my destiny. 
God is shielding me. Job says, Lord, keep me concealed until your anger is over. Lord, just cover me from the things that could have happened and should have happened to me. That's why I praise God like I do sometimes because I don't know about you, but he kept me through it all. Even when people thought I was nowhere to be found, God had me as his little secret. And while he would have had me hidden, I'd been praying and searching his word so that when God brings me out, I'll be stronger, I'll be better, and I'll be wiser. So when God brings you out, people won't think that you just showed up overnight. But God had you concealed and protected. And anytime God has you covered, people will hate on you because they don't know what you've been up to. But the reality is that when God hides you, that's between you and God. So Job says in verse 13, Lord, if you could just hide me until your anger passes, if you could just hide me until this thing is over. But then if you only set me a time, if you could just appoint me a set time, and then he says, and then, and then. remember me. Yeah. See, I don't mind trouble as long as trouble got term limits. Yeah. What I can't deal with is trouble with tenure. I, I can't deal with trouble if it just stops. I, I can deal with trouble if it just stops by for a few month, minutes. But I got a problem when trouble comes with his suitcase and a one-way ticket. I, I got a problem with that. But I thank God that trouble doesn't last all ways. See, what the devil wants you to believe is that trouble is terminal. But God told me to tell you that trouble is temporary. Job is transparent with God. Job says, listen, God, can you hide me? And when this thing blows over, can you remember a brother? Can you remember a sister? Just remember, God, that when this thing is over, that I'm down here. See, you have to learn how to be honest with God. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. He says, you have not because you ask not. You got to stop beating around the bush and sugarcoating this thing and tell God what you need. Look at what Job prays for. Lord, if you would only set me a, a time. When you look at time in the Bible, you have to understand time on two dimensions. Time is understood in the Bible as chronos and kairos. Chronos deals with our time, where we get the word chronography from. When you look at your watch, it says 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We live by chronos. Everything in our lives are rooted around chronos. When you were born, you were born into chronos. That's why when you were born, you start dying. Because time starts eating away at your life. There are boundaries around chronos. You never have enough time in a day to do what you want to do because chronos will limit you. Uh, but then there's kairos. Kairos is God's time. And God's not in our time. God is not in our days of the week. God is from everlasting to everlasting. That's why when you die, you go from time to eternity. There's no time in heaven. So that means that there's a, no emergencies with God. That's why when you tell God that you have a deadline that you have to meet, God does not listen to that because God does not deal with chronos. So then when Job says, Lord, set me a time. Remember Job says, man born of a woman is a few days. Job is dealing with chronos then. He's looking at his life and saying, my days are numbered. 
And I don't have time for all this trouble. And I'm sure that that's how some of you are feeling right now. Lord, I don't have time to deal with nothing else. I'm going through enough right now in my life. Lord, let me know when I'm going to come out of all this trouble. So what Job is asking God to do is to make a collision between Kairos and Kronos so that he can get through his situation. Job says, appoint me a set time. You know, it's implied in the text that Job was a planner. Because when you look at Job's life, he, he was wealthy. He was a man of prayer. He was a man of prominence in the land of us. If you contemporized Job's life and brought him into 2020, he would have understood estate planning. He would have understood stocks and bonds. Nobody could be as wealthy as Job unless you planned it out. You just don't wake up with that kind of wealth. Job did not waste time. Successful people don't waste time. Successful people don't waste time. That's why we don't have time for you to be calling us at 3 o'clock in the afternoon asking us what we're doing. We're working. That's what we're doing. We're working. We're trying to get something done. So if you look at Job, he's probably at a point in his life where he's thinking that maybe in a few years he'll be able to turn the family business over to his children. He has his chronos set. He has his plan set. And just when Job is ready to retire, God allows Satan to come in and rob him of everything that he had worked for. So now his timing, his chronos is thrown off. What do you do when you make plans for the next three, the next five, the next ten years, and then God allows something to come in your life and disrupt your schedule? What do you do when you've been on the job for 18 years, all you got is two years to retire, and the place where you work closes down? Somebody say set back. What do you do when you're a freshman and you've been accepted to college, then this is going to be your first year, and a pandemic hits, and you're not sure whether you're going to even be in school this semester. What do you do? What do you do when your plans have a setback? What do you do when you've been in a relationship with a person for years and you made all kind of plans, the two of you are living together, you spent your money dealing with them and then they decide they don't want the relationship anymore. God says, don't sit there and be bitter. God says, because that's when you start thanking me for my timing. That even if, that, that even if your plans get set back, God says that when I show up, I will make up for the time you lost. That's somebody's word right there. God told me to tell you that he's getting ready to make up for the years that the locust ate up in your life. And I know what some of you are saying. When is my set time? When is my point of time going to come? God says you need to stop looking at what you've lost. And if you trust God's word, you won't always be where you are. You won't always be this broke. You won't always be this sick. You won't always be this lonely. Your set time is coming. Somebody ought to thank God for a set time. Set time is a fundamental that says that I can feel to break out in my life. In other words, I smell rain. I got a scent of rain. Look at how Job sees his life in verse 14. He says, if a man dies, will he live again? He says, all the days of my hired service, I will wait for my renewal to come. 
The King James Version says, all the days of my, all my appointed days, I will wait for my change to come. If a man dies, Job is, he's wrestling with his reality. Remember that Job is hidden. He's in secret. He's concealed. Because he's in the grave, insulated and isolated. And so he gets this revelation. If a man dies, shall he live again? If a person has been through what you have been through, can they live again? If a person has been hurt like you, can they trust again? If a person has ever been broke like you've been broke, can they, can they come back again? If a person's credit is jacked up like yours, can they ever buy a house again? If a person's been through what you've been through, can they really come back again? Well, I'm sure there's some witnesses out there who can tell you that you can live again. Because I'm a witness that you can, you can be not fit to live, but not ready to die, but you can live again. Look how Job puts life in perspective. All the days of my hard service, my pointed life. Look at how you see the collision between Kronos and Kairos come together. All the days of my hard service, I'm going to wait. See, I have to, <clears throat> excuse me, I have to view every day like an appointment. I have to wait. The other day I had to go get a physical. So the first thing I had to do was call when I got there because of this virus. And they made me wait in the car until they were ready for me to come in. My appointment was like at 3.45, 3.45, the parking lot is full and it seems as if I'm sitting in my car and that I'm sitting there forever. And so I asked myself, how's the doctor going to see all of us just parked out in this parking lot at 3.45? See, what I miss is that my appointment was a collision between my time and God's time. Kronos got me in position because in this season, if, if it wasn't for God, I might still be waiting to see the doctor because my doctor does not make house calls. But instead of being bitter, I became encouraged because I saw activity. I saw people getting in their car and leaving, which indicated that the doctor was in the house. So I just sat there because I needed what the doctor had. I hope somebody heard me. I need. I sat there and waited because I needed what the doctor had. Sometimes you have to wait for your chaos moment because if you leave, you're going to forfeit what the doctor has because what, what you need, you need what the doctor has. Now I know what some of you are dealing with. The question is how long I got to wait. And I know some of you are like, Lord, I'm, I'm not lying. If I hear one more sermon, I'm waiting. I, and I'm going to lose my mind. So, Lord, how long? I'm getting ready to give you one of the most powerful revelations that I've given. This is so powerful. Some of you have been waiting on this and waiting on that and waiting on this and waiting on that. And this is going to bless you. I'm getting ready to tell you exactly when it's going to happen. You want to know how long you have to wait? Somebody say, until. <laughs> see, I know what you're saying. Where's until? I don't see it on my clock. Because until's not in our time. Until is in God's time. And God can interrupt your time whenever he gets ready. That's why grandmother says he may not come when you want him. But he's always 
on time. I, I'm closing. Some years ago, some years ago, some years ago, I, I had to preach in Texas. One of the deacons was having major surgery back here in Michigan at the University of Michigan Hospital. So my flight was scheduled to leave Austin Sunday, Austin, Texas, Sunday, that Sunday afternoon, right after I got through preaching. I had everything worked out. I was scheduled to fly into Dallas and catch a plane to Detroit, and then I would drive from Detroit over to the University of Michigan Hospital. I had my chronos. I had it worked out. So I flew to Dallas and I got off the plane and I walked down to the gate and to wait to the plane for the plane to fly to Detroit. I had about 25 minutes before the plane is supposed to leave. And when I get to the gate, the agent comes over the public address system and announces that the plane that was going to Detroit had been delayed. So I'm cool. I've been through this before. So I'm just relaxing. I, and about 30 minutes later, she makes another announcement. She says that the plane that you scheduled to fly on has not left its original destination. But what you need to do is stay at the gate area just in case something changes. So by this time, all of us that are there, we've sat there about an hour. She said to us, don't leave the gate area. I don't care how mad you get, how long you got to wait. This is a message for somebody right now. Don't leave the area because I don't want you to miss any announcements. Yeah. So I'm sitting there about another 30 minutes and I see a line of people in front of the agent's booth. The plane is not there and everybody's getting frustrated because Kronos started kicking in. Yeah. Everybody began to realize that if the plane did not come soon, they were gonna be stuck in Dallas. So they started getting mad. And when you get, when you get mad, you take it out on the gate agent because, and, and, and don't even realize she's not in control of the plane. So the gate agent is behind the desk and everybody in line is just chewing her out. This don't make sense. But I, I kept my cool because I was on assignment from God and I knew he would work everything out. So I got in line too. They don't know I'm a preacher, so I'm getting ready to give her a piece of my mind. So by the time I get to the front of the line, I feel so bad for the way that she's been treated. Her eyes were red, her hair was standing all over her head. Her supervisor had come down and tried to calm everybody down. People were calling other airlines trying to change their flights. And so she asked me, may I help you? And I felt so sorry for her. I just said, I want you to know you've handled yourself well. And I'm gonna be sitting over there praying for you. So I went and sat down, and other people just got up and just chewed her out. So a few minutes later, she called me back up to the ticket counter, and she told me that the flight had been canceled, but they were going to put me up in a hotel room for free, and they were going to give me a food voucher for a night and a free voucher to fly wherever I wanted to go. I'm just telling you that when you wait, God will work it out. And that I could catch a flight the first thing leaving in the morning. And my chronos kicked in and I was about to give her a little piece of my mind. But I held my composure. So she asked to see my ticket. I was scheduled to sit in the exit row. So she went to her computer and she told me what time the flight was leaving in the morning. And she printed me off a new ticket. And then she said, because of your patience and how you treated me. I'm also gonna upgrade your seat to first class in the morning. While all these others were acting a fool, while all of those others had an attitude walking around with their lips stuck out, God says, because you spoke well, I'm gonna upgrade you. I know that somebody today might need an upgrade. Well, what's the guy? So, 
Facebook, what God is saying right now, somebody, even while I'm hiding you, if you could just praise me, if you could just give me glory during your hard service, then I'll give you elevation. Is there anybody out there that needs elevation today? Well, then you ought to just praise God and thank him for that you had to wait, but the wait was worth it. Anybody know that the wait was worth it, that God's been good to you, and he's been keeping you while you've been waiting? He says, I'll give you an upgrade. Can I tell you what the real blessing is? What the Holy Spirit said to me while I was waiting on the flight. The Holy Spirit said, what did you say? What did the lady say to you? I said, she said the flight was canceled. Holy Spirit said, well, what did she say? I said, she said the flight was canceled. There is nothing but a layoff. I have to learn in this season is how to handle layovers. Because a layover means this. You're still waiting, but you got a ticket. You got a promise telling you that your renewal is about to come. That your change is about to come. Until you get where you're going. That's why I think learning how to praise him on my way to my glory right now. He may not come, but he's always on time. He's always on time. Jesus Christ was right on time. He was born. He died for you and I. He was raised from the grave. His blood covers us right now. He was right on time. And I just want you to know today is your day. If you don't know him, this is a great day to get to know him. I want you to know with everything that I've been through in my life, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. And I just want you to take this opportunity right now to ask him to forgive you for your sins, for you to repent and let him know that you love him and that you need him and that you're willing to wait on him. This is your moment right now. Somebody just thank God for his mercy and his grace today.
Thank you for tuning in to Second Chance Church, The Praise Factory.